Have you noticed you're paying a lot more for just about everything these days? Why is it happening and how long will it last? On today's episode, we're talking about something pretty much everyone has on their minds right now. Inflation. If you drive a car, if you buy groceries, if you pay for shelter, you've felt the pinch. And as we emerge from this pandemic, how is it impacting your personal or household financial planning? Welcome to Stress Test, a podcast about personal finance for Gen Z and millennials. I'm Rob Carrick, personal finance columnist at The Globe and Mail. And I'm Roma Luzio, personal finance editor at The Globe. So Rob, inflation, we've all heard the word, but before we dig into this, let's start with the definition of what this really means. Let's answer that question using the most recent inflation rate, 4.7% for October. What that means is that a basket of goods and services that the typical person uses in their life costs 4.7% more than it did 12 months ago. Inflation means things costing more. There's like an ambient level of inflation in the world over the past two or three decades. It's been about 1.82%. That's kind of normal and we're all used to it and it was all pretty much fine. Now we're more than double that and it's a bit of a shock to our system. You know, the last big inflationary spike was in the 1980s. Uh, We had double-digit inflation. Do you remember that? I wasn't paying for things in the 80s, but I certainly remember my parents being very stressed about that. I I have a visual of my father and mother sitting at the kitchen table and worrying about what was going to be happening with the spending. They had four kids. And I remember watching them thinking they're very anxious about something. Now, some of our youngest readers are likely not paying for things yet or have no context in terms of, oh, I was paying this much for groceries five years ago or two years ago, and now I'm paying this much. So this is an interesting sort of introduction to this idea that prices can really pop like this. I think that for uh, older millennials and certainly Gen Xers and baby boomers, this is the worst inflation we've seen in decades and decades. It's almost like this monster has come out of the closet and inflation is a monster. It can really wreck your finances because so far in Canada, wages have not been keeping up with inflation. So the cost of living is rising, rising, and your purchasing power is shrinking because your your income is rising, but not enough to counteract the, the rise in prices. Now, that's right. During the pandemic, we had a lot of people curtail those spending. They were at home. Nobody was buying things. Supply demand is out of whack. I imagine where uh, a lot of our younger listeners are seeing and feeling this is if they're going out to eat at restaurants or if they're getting takeout. Those prices have risen. And I've noticed that for sure. You know, there's really no escape from inflation. The real question is how much longer will it last? There's a lot of of uncertainty about that. And we'll dig into that in this episode. Today, we'll hear from two millennials who are feeling the pinch of rising everyday costs. How are they adjusting their personal finances to cope? That's up next. Stress Test is brought to you by CPP Investments, manager of the Canada Pension Plan Fund. The fund is sustainable with over $500 billion in assets, thanks to CPP Investments. Learn more at cppinvestments.com. One of the easiest ways to keep tabs on your finances is to track them. And we found someone who does that meticulously down to every box of gluten-free crackers they buy. Hi, uh, my name's Adele. I am 33. I am a lifelong Torontonian. I grew up in Parkdale and now I live in Seton Village, Christie Pitts. I work in television. 
Even though Adele's always been responsible with her money, she didn't start recording her grocery bills until the beginning of the pandemic. One of her budgeting tricks pre-COVID was to use cash. But in the pandemic, stores weren't accepting that anymore. Nobody was taking cash anymore. So I said, okay, if I'm going to use my card and everything, I'm going to have to track it. And for sure, honestly, to just kind of get a sense of control over what was going on, I was very lucky that I didn't lose my job and I was able to quickly shift working from home. So I did have a steady source of income, but I wanted to start tracking my expenses just to sort of get a handle on like, okay, I'm okay. I'm not spending a ton of money on certain things. Um, and it's been really it's been really helpful. And I also started tracking the best prices on certain grocery items that I buy. And I was able to go back and look at the list I made in the summer of 2020 and look at my most recent grocery bill and really notice the difference on certain things. COVID wasn't the only thing that changed the way Adele lived. Her partner was diagnosed with celiac disease and was so sick that he had to step away from his work for a while. This made her the sole earner in the household. So the couple also had to rethink how they shopped and what they ate. I started tracking prices of the groceries that I knew would be needing a lot in June, July of 2020, because suddenly with my partner's condition, we knew we'd have to buy completely different groceries. So it was originally just a way to price compare. The best price I found, for example, the gluten-free all-purpose flour that I do all of our baking with, and that's good for um, making uh, soups, make, you know, adding it to different recipes. The cheapest price I found for our little bag was $5.50. I just checked from the same place. It is now $6.50, which is 18%. The brown rice flour that I use in some of our baked goods uh, used to be $4.50. Now it's $5.73, so that's 27%. We are both vegetarians which can be nice. You save money in some ways, you have to spend more in other ways. Uh, we found one celiac safe ground beef substitute that we make tacos and burritos, pasta sauce with. Um, that used to cost $4.50 a bag and now it's $5.27, which is a 17% increase. Eggs, we, we eat eggs, it's a good staple for us. You use a lot of eggs in gluten-free baking to hold things together. I used to get 18 eggs for $5.50, now 18 eggs are 6.30, which, you know, that's 80 cents. It's not a big deal, but that is 14.5%. To find the best pricing for produce, Adele checks out her neighborhood fruit markets instead of the big box stores. We are, again, so lucky to live downtown where there's these amazing fruit markets. I grew up near Ronsonsville's, and that was like where you went to get your produce. You did not go to the grocery store. You checked out every single fruit market on the street and there'd be like six of them in five blocks and you'd figure out the best price. So um, downtown, there's some really great little fruit stands and you, I'm, I tend to be really flexible. I'll make my meal plan for the week, but I'll put, okay, I'm just gonna have fruit as a snack this week. And then, oh, they have grapes on sale. I will get grapes or I'll put, okay, Friday night dinner, I'm going to make this nice dish and I'll have some roasted vegetables, but I don't know which vegetables. And then I see, oh, they have green beans, but they don't have Brussels sprouts. So I'm going to do that. Or if, okay, I'm going to make this recipe that has kale. So I'll buy, I know I have to buy a big head of kale, but then I'm only going to use half of it. So now I need to pick another recipe this week that has kale in it. As much as she can save a little here and there, Adele's household now needs to buy specialty foods that are packaged, sealed, and certified as gluten-free. The cost is more than she anticipated. One of the best ways I've been able to handle like, okay, we have to buy some more expensive baking flours, we have to buy more expensive crackers is being able to buy it in bulk. 
Um, bumming off of my mom's Costco membership has been helpful. But again, that's the privilege of I, we have enough income that we can buy a month's worth of crackers in advance all in one go and overall save money. Uh, and not everybody can do that. Maybe not intentionally, but Adele and her partner have been able to cut down on the cost of going out to eat. It also means you, we don't go out to eat as much at all anymore. Not just because of the cost, but a lot of it is we don't go out to eat as much anymore because there's very few restaurants that are safe. And the ones that are safe for someone with celiac disease are usually more expensive. So that has been kind of evening out. Even just like getting a birthday cake for someone's birthday, you have to get the birthday cake. You can't get the cheap Lavalas cake. You have to get the cake from the specialty gluten-free store, which is delicious, but costs about twice as much. There has been one silver lining through all of this. I have noticed though that the gluten-free pasta and a lot of the stuff we eat like that hasn't been affected by inflation. It's always more expensive, but it's not more expensive now than it was last year for certain things. As a former freelancer, Adele's used to keeping an eye on what she's spending and having a plan for saving. Her mom is a financial planner and taught her how to budget early on. Yeah, I always aim to save the same amount of money, but I have noticed uh, the last few months when I finish my budget at the end of the month and I look at what I spent, there have for sure been a few months this year where I've gone a bit over and gone, okay, well, that's another $80, $100 I can't put away in savings, but that's fine. So I'm proud that I have been able to keep continually adding to my savings every month, but for sure the last few months I've noticed um, I haven't been able to add as much which is, I know, such a privileged problem to have compared to what a lot of people are dealing with. But I've definitely noticed it there that I've, I've had to um, cut back on how much I can save. Even though Adele wants to support her local stores, it's just not in her budget. If it's uh, something we don't necessarily need, then we're not going to buy it. And that sucks. And I feel bad for the small businesses that are, are struggling, but I can't afford to go out to a fancy restaurant. We don't buy expensive alcohol. We, we don't drink that much because it's just not within our price range. It's not within our reach when the cost of everything else is going up. Even for people like us who are stable and who we're okay and I'm very far from being evicted from my home because I can't afford rent and I'm very far from needing to go to a food bank, thank goodness. Um, but that just means like, okay, well, all the other things are just gonna fall off the wayside and that's fine for me and I can live without getting a manicure, but I feel bad for the little nail place down the street that I like and I can't afford to go there. What I'm noticing out there is a lot of the local businesses are really busy. People are spending a lot, and I wonder how they're managing it with inflation. I, I wonder if some cuts in spending are going to have to come as we get used to uh, a more open economy and more spending opportunities, and inflation keeps crunching our budgets. What I'm seeing is people picking and choosing where and how they're spending the money, very similar to what Adele's describing. Maybe you're eating out less and you're choosing to spend on other things, but that's the kind of give and take that happens as we readjust back to a regular spending pattern. I also have really found that online shopping and buying things that way, it makes it much easier to compare prices. And it's an 
easy way to become organized about what you're buying. So pre-pandemic, I would go to the grocery store and we would be throwing things into a, a you know a grocery cart and it was really never that organized. But buying online, which is something I really started to do when the shutdowns happened, has allowed me to price compare and notice when things are on sale and really helps me think about like, do we really need to be buying this? I know this product is that much cheaper. So uh, it's kind of happened almost naturally for me through the online uh, shopping process because of the pandemic. After the break, we'll hear from someone in Calgary who didn't budget heavily before the pandemic. Now he's cutting costs so he can buy furniture and make mortgage payments on his new home. CPP Investments is proud to manage the assets of the Canada Pension Plan Fund. The Canada Pension Plan provides retirees a solid income foundation. In support of that important priority, we've built a well-balanced and globally diversified portfolio. It's designed to be resilient in the face of wide-ranging market and economic conditions. Through good times and bad, our professional investment teams have helped make CPP a plan that contributors and beneficiaries can count on for generations to come. Learn more at cppinvestments.com. Ah, a new house, a fresh chapter in life. Obviously, you'll need furniture to make your home look beautiful, but not so fast for Connor and his girlfriend. They've noticed those furnishings are almost twice as expensive as they were before. So my name is Connor and I'm uh, from Calgary and I was born and raised in Calgary. I'm 31 years old and uh, I'm an investment advisor. So we uh, had moved into uh, a new duplex here in Calgary and most of most of the materials had been bought, I think, before the main uh, increase in inflation uh, for some of the prices, but we had to do certain add-ons and we needed a couple new doors uh, and then we had to get a couple of appliances that were not already uh, taken care of when we moved in here. And for instance, just a, a basic wood slab door um, is now seven hundred dollars. They're quoting us, and you know they had got them for about three fifty or four hundred dollars when the house was uh, originally being built. Um, so I mean that was a a little bit of a slap in the face when we found out some of the pricing had changed that significantly within a couple months. Even with a steep price tag, the couple decided to buy the last missing door. I mean, you kind of need doors. We did end up buying this door. It was uh, a, a bit of back and forth arguing, but unfortunately there was really not much of a substitute and it was either we're going to have one door that just uh, does not match the rest of our home or we had to buck up and get this door. So I guess we're going to have to try and cut some costs elsewhere because we did go ahead with the order. With the, with the leg times, now I think the door is still going to be about six weeks or so and we're paying the inflated prices. So uh, it's, it's a bit of a frustrating process. Okay, so yes, they spent the money on the door, but with costs adding up, Connor and his girlfriend decided to get some hand-me-down furniture, like a couch from friends, instead of the leather one they've always wanted. Um, so we've already you know, made a sacrifice on some of the aesthetically-based uh, items in our home. We wanted to get a nice dining table, but right now we have no dining table. And we shifted from looking at uh, furniture stores and flyers to now 
looking at Facebook Marketplace. We're certainly looking at uh, cheaper options for, for the rest of the furnishings of the house. Um, so absolutely, it's, it's I guess, a, a large part of this inflation is, is pushing back some of those items that aren't essentials and are, are more of the wants in our lives. So we've certainly put some, some things on the back burner. When they recently looked for appliances, Connor noticed a big jump in prices. I don't remember the exact cost, but I know that when we looked again um, and we had to make a few substitutions that I think some of the prices were up 15 to 20 percent already just on some of the uh, uh, on some of our electronics and our, you know, the uh, the fridge and dishwasher and things like that were quite significantly up. Um, so that was a little bit alarming for us. Um, so, you know, we've had to make a couple adjustments for, for our home and for our budget to make sure this all worked for us. Connor's also noticing inflation when he buys gas. You know, I used to pay around $45, somewhere in the $40 to $45 range for a full tank. And I have paid as much as 60 uh, or or even over sixty dollars uh, in the last couple months. You know that's actually one area that uh, I'm pretty conscious about trying to eliminate driving when I don't have to anymore. So I've been out on the bike more, um, walking to places, and you know any close grocery trips and things like that. As foodies, the couple isn't looking to give up their wine or dinners out with friends, at least not completely, especially after being home for most of the pandemic. We, we both just are, are social creatures and we like to hang out with our friends and we like to meet people and be around people. So it's hard for us to cut back too much on going out because that's just something that makes us happy. But mm-hmm. within that, um, yeah, like I said, you know, just cutting down perhaps the yeah, alcoholic drinks are quite expensive. The wines while we're going out, uh, maybe not getting, you know, the appies, the desserts, maybe not. Um, you know, and, and turning down some, some of the invites that we have from friends, which we used to always try to try to pretty much go to all of them, but, you know, cutting down a little bit on the numbers and then we're just, we're just shifting to a little bit cheaper options within our lifestyle. The couple clearly likes to enjoy their life, but with inflation rising, they're trying to be more proactive about how they save. I, you know, I, I, I see us as being fairly comfortable, but uh, if either of us lost our job and we're not able to, to pick something up, you know, within a reasonable amount of time, maybe six months, um, it would definitely be concerning. I, I don't know that we'd be able to, to make all of our regular payments, or, or should I say we could probably cover just our, our absolute needs costs, but we might be eating craft dinner five times a week. One way they've gone back to saving is resuming monthly contributions to their TFSA and RRSPs. Connor and his girlfriend paused those for a while since other costs were creeping up. You know what? She stopped her savings plans for about the last six months because of some of these uh, housing expenses that we've had. And we've just got to the point where we've paid um, most of all of most of the house costs that are involved and that we have to um, you know finish finish our place with so she's just started saving again which uh, was refreshing to know that that is possible 
I think they've got a really good handle on things, this couple. They've uh, paid their housing expenses. They've made some adjustments and uh, pulled back a little bit on spending. And now they're resuming saving. I think they're a textbook example of how to roll with the punches. It's Personal Finance 101 at work. They're doing a great job. You know, if you have higher expenses in one area, it's okay to pause things like TFSA and RRSP contributions. You cannot do it all as long as you know that you need to make that up. And once you've started paying off that other debt, you go back to saving for the long term. It's really a job well done. So we've heard how the daily lives of Canadians are being impacted by the rising costs of living. But how long is it going to last? I spoke with our colleague, the Globe and Mail's economic columnist, David Parkinson. Here's part of our conversation. So Dave, it seems like everyone's talking about inflation these days. Why are people so worked up about this? Well, I think actually some of it is is really a testament to how well we have c- controlled inflation over the last couple of decades. I mean, anybody who is uh, of a certain age, I guess, can remember that this used to be a chronic problem through the 70s, well into the 80s. You know, we were talking about double digit annual inflation rates pretty regularly. You know, we really cracked down policy wise on reining in those uh, those inflationary pressures changing inflation expectations was a big part of it and that a lot of that came to the uh, the bank of canada and other central banks around the world sort of getting together and saying this is what we're going to do we are going to maintain low stable inflation and we're going to defend that with interest rates so we've had a long period sort of 20 25 years where we've been able to control inflation for the most part around in the sort of 1 to 3% range now all mm-hmm. of a sudden we're you know pushing 5% and it's alarming because we've just never really lived through this. Right. So everyone has noticed the rising cost of gas. Everyone's noticed they're paying more for food. What are some of the things that are not going up? Yeah. And again, you know, there's some things like, you know, home renovations became a very big thing during uh, during this recovery and during, you know, during the lockdowns, people were living at home a lot more, obviously staying at home and starting to see things that they could spend their money on when they couldn't spend their money on travel. But yeah, when you think, look at things like travel tours, the prices of travel tours have come down. Um, car insurance, we don't drive that much. A lot of people were able to get uh, to renegotiate their car insurance basically because mm-hmm. they weren't driving. So those prices have come down. Public uh, transit prices have come down. People might be interested to know the price of wine hasn't gone anywhere. Um, the price of the price <laughs> of uh, of recreational cannabis has come well down during the the, mm-hmm. uh, the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. So so yeah, some of these things. Cell phone service prices have come down. Don't ask me why, but they have. Clothing, clothing and footwear is another one. We don't we're not going out buying stuff to go to the office the way we used to, or, you mm-hmm. know, to go to, to go to workplaces and the price of those have come down as well. So, you know, this is not all an upward uh, movement, but again, the things that have gone up, a lot of them have gone up a lot. And we've really noticed uh, sort of those everyday things like gas and food, as well as some of those like big, big purchases, like, like cars and houses, obviously, um, you know, those are the kinds of things that really stick out in people's minds. Okay, let's talk a little bit about what's causing this rapid blimp in prices. Well, and a lot of it is, you know, as I said, again, it's it's been a very unusual recession. The pandemic is kind of a, a, a unique um, situation in terms of stopping a global economy and then restarting it. And it has not restarted the way maybe a lot of people anticipated. Um, in particular, there are there has been very high demand, not just in Canada, but around the world for goods, for consumer goods. Mm-hmm. Um, again, because we can't travel, we got to spend our money on something. So the demand for goods has gone up. As the recovery is, has 
has happened, things have reopened, people have been more willing to take those risks and spend that, that money. At the same time, there's still a lot of restraints on uh, in, in a lot of markets, including the ones that produce a lot of our goods. Um, a lot of a lot of the uh, you know a lot of the Asian markets that where we get a lot of consumer goods in particular, there are still constraints on on manufacturing, on shipping, on border controls that slow down the whole process. So we've really seen the supply of goods restrained, while the demand of goods has bounced back in a big hurry. And now there's a big mismatch there. People want stuff now; they can't get it now. Supplies aren't there, and so the prices mm-hmm. start to work their way up pretty quickly. Okay, so where are we at this stage? Like, we're, we're clearly working our way through this. How much longer are we going to put up with this? We're we're pretty close to the peak. People could be wrong about this, but the forecasters figure that you know we're kind of we're starting to see improvements in some of these supply chains. Not all of them, but some of them. We're starting to see them start to catch up to demand. So we're going to see these price pressures because they take a while to completely sink in along the entire supply chain. But we're going to see these probably start to peak around the end of the year, maybe maybe early into uh, 2022. Mm-hmm. Six months from now, maybe nine months at the most, we could easily be back to inflation that looks the way it's looked for most of our, uh, you know, most of the last 10, 15, 20 years. Okay, so my next question has to do with wages. We've seen these huge increases in prices, at least in some areas. Have wages kept pace with that? They haven't. Um, there's evidence in the United States that wages are starting to to pick up um, as, a, as a response to the inflation numbers. Now, U.S. inflation numbers are higher than ours. They're also a little bit further along um, their recovery than we are. They, you know, they didn't have as severe lockdowns, and so they they were able to get going a little sooner. It's actually the kind of thing that policy people at the Bank of Canada and you know, that's the kind of thing they actually worry about because then inflation mm-hmm. starts becoming entrenched. I mean, obviously, from an individual standpoint, I'd love to see my wages keep up with inflation. And when inflation mm-hmm. surges, I my instinct is to want a 5% wage increase to make up for the 5% increase that, that I saw in my costs. Mm-hmm. However, both. yeah, but if everybody does that, now we've got an extra 5% wage inflation built into the the broader economy. And that's when you start to see inflation become sticky. So there's actually mm-hmm. a there's a bit of a it's actually a fairly good news story in Canada that wages at this point haven't kept up because it mm-hmm. means that there's not that additional wage pressure that's going to push prices from producers up in addition mm-hmm. to, to, to the pressures we're seeing from other things. Yeah. Sure isn't going to be comforting to our listeners. No, it, I mean it doesn't feel good to to lose uh, some money to inflation. But yeah, I mean mm-hmm. in, in the long run, you know, sort of keeping Keeping calm about that and and recognizing, even if it's a temporary thing that lasts a year rather than a couple of months, it's still mm-hmm. temporary. It will go away and we will see, you know, those, those pressures come off and our wages will catch up. What strikes me from hearing from our real people in this episode is that inflation is all about making adjustments. It's all about trying to make do with less because your purchasing power is declining. That's right. It seems like you know, basic personal finance. You adjust what you have going out based on how much you have to spend. And, you know, this is a really uh, smart way to deal with your money. Lots of lessons to take away from this. Rob, what's your sense of how long inflation is going to keep squeezing people? 
I don't have a clear view whether it's going to be one year, two years, 18 months, but I do feel like it's going to be with us for a while. And when it starts to ease, it's going to take a while to get back to more normal levels. So I'm thinking, you know, I think we're going to see inflation around for this Christmas and very possibly Christmas 2022 as well. One of the things that I feel is really helpful after going through this episode, hearing people's stories and thinking a bit about some of the changes that people are making is that there are things that you can do to make up for that inflation bite. And we're going to go into some of these with the takeaways. One, try apps for saving on groceries and other purchases. For example, Flip and Sale Whale show you weekly flyers from local retailers. Two, where possible, try to postpone buying items that are surging in price. Can you squeeze a little more use out of your aging car, your couch, or your stove? Three, pay down debt. Making smaller payments on debt every month helps free up cash flow to cover rising prices. And four, ask for a raise. Employers are more open than they have been in a long time to giving employees raises and bonuses. Ask for yours. Thanks for listening to Stress Test. This show was produced by Amy Chan and Zara Kozema. Audio engineering and editing by Kyle Fulton. Our executive producer is Kieran Rana. And thank you to guests Connor, Adele, and Dave. If you like what you heard, give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Our next episode is about micropayments, those buy now, pay later plans that you're seeing everywhere. Is it a smart idea to use those plans or is it better to save up before making a purchase? We'll talk to Canadians who have used them and hear about their experiences. You can find Stress Test at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. You can find us at The Globe and Mail, where we cover all things financial and all things inflated. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Stress Test is brought to you by CPP Investments, manager of the Canada Pension Plan Fund. Canadians can be confident in the fund's sustainability. In the last 10 years, CPP Investments has earned more than $300 billion for the Canada Pension Plan. With over $500 billion invested around the world, CPP is set to provide a retirement income foundation for generations to come. Learn more at cppinvestments.com.